0: Good morning. morning. All right, all right. My name is Tony, and I am the lead planter at Sojourn Spring Branch, and I am very excited uh, to be here and to open up God's Word and preach um, the Holy Scriptures. I am privileged and honored uh, to know Taylor, Pastor Taylor. Um, Him and I, we were in uh, the Houston Church Planting Network's residency two years ago, and uh, just God had it planned that uh, he was going to plant Sojourn Galleria, and I was going to be later planting Sojourn Spring Branch, and it has been a move of the Holy Spirit uh, for us to experience uh, that um, partnership with one another. Um, Just to give you an update, I don't know if you know, I think you do know, but uh, Sojourn Galleria is part of a uh, family of churches known as Sojourn Houston, Um, We have a church in the uh, Heights area, in the Montrose area, here in the Galleria, and seven months ago, we launched um, Sojourn Spring Branch. Uh, Just to give you a little report, we started with two parishes about nine months ago before we launched, uh, and this month, we are so excited to have our third parish, um, and that's a thrill for us. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, I've been encouraged by Sojourn Galleria and by Taylor every week that I see him. Um, he always is uh, uh, the most prayerful guy, prayerful guy in the room, and I am uh, honored uh, to know him. Now, uh, they tell me here that this is the land of 60-minute sermons, um, so I, I don't know how we're going to do. I, you, you're either going to be disappointed um, or you're going to be really thrilled that you're going to get out early, but um, but, but, but today, today we are in the text that Nathaniel read, and, and uh, I am so excited to preach this. Usually, uh, we have our gatherings at 5 p.m. every Sunday, so usually this doesn't get printed until about 3 p.m., but this morning I got a call really early and uh, had to print it out soon, so it's hot off the press, and I am excited about this sermon. Today is the last sermon in the series on revival. We've been tracing the theological theme of revival throughout the scriptures for the past few weeks. We prayed, we, we, we have said that prayer is the foundation of revival. We've looked at texts with David confessing his sin in Psalm 51. We, we have looked at texts like Hannah um, praying that the Lord would give a victory and prophetically praying that it was Jesus the one who was going to uh, give that victory. We, we, have, we have been in Luke chapter 14 where we've said that Jesus deserves our complete devotion, whether it comes through um, our earthly relationships, through our own life, and even through our possessions. He says, hey, if you can't give all this up, you can't follow me. We have said that a correct view of suffering is what sanctifies us and what makes us holy. And, and all of these topics are treated as means to get us in position to experience the ordinary grace of God in extraordinary measure, if He so wills. This, this is to get us in position so that we're not get, we don't get caught off guard when the Lord shows up in an ordinary way. And today, today we see a picture of the revived church. Today, Nathaniel just read um, the description of a revived church. A revived church is a church that learns together, is a church that loves one another. It's a church that participates in liturgy together. A revived revived church is a church that praises God and has favor with everyone. A revived church is a hopeful church that lives in this age. And and as Christians, we we need to understand the the movement of the Bible to fully understand what this text is means to us. So, so so, this event in Acts chapter 2 is not an isolated event that we just get to read on Pentecost Sunday. This event is significant for us. That This event, although it is not a prescriptive event, it is a descriptive event that allows us to see what happened in the early years of the church. We just read the end of Peter's sermon. He was finishing in verse 36. And and what Peter was saying at the end of his sermon, he, he was preaching because something unusual had happened. At the beginning of this chapter, there were about 120 people speaking in other tongues, in other languages. This was unusual. Verse 11 of this chapter says that they were speaking God's mighty words in other languages that They did not learn. And how do we know this? Well, we know this because at that time, there were thousands of people in the city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of the Harvest. The Feast of the Harvest came 50 days after Passover, and they had gathered to celebrate from different regions, from various places. And all of a sudden, they heard in their own tongue people speaking God's Mighty works and at Pentecost we, we see at Pentecost we see a celebration of material harvest that was transformed to a spiritual harvest with practical implications. Peter preaches a sermon and he he validates the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus that had happened a few weeks before with Old Testament writings. He, he interprets the miracle of tongues as a fulfillment. He presents Christ as Messiah in fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. And he finishes a sermon, this sermon that he preaches with a call to repent and to be baptized. And, and his last words of the sermon are found in verse 36. So so, so if you have your Bible open, uh, verse 36 says, Let all the house. He is preaching and he's finishing. He's concluding his message. We're not concluding here, but he is concluding here. He says, Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified and now now verse 37 now when when they when the audience when the people hearing this heard this they were what they were cut to the heart they were cut to the heart and, and and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles they were so cut to the heart that they said brothers what shall we do what what shall we do what what do we have to do after listening to your sermon the only question that comes to my mind and the only question that that came to these These people's minds is, what are we going to do about this? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord, our God, calls to himself. What shall we do? We are so cut to the heart, Peter. What are we going to do? And here, here we see a few imperatives. Number one, we we see Peter saying, hey, repent. Repent, repent because you did not see Christ as Lord. You did not see Christ as Messiah. Number two, be baptized. I I, I identify yourself with Jesus, our Lord, through baptism. Number three, they were told to receive the fullness of God by His Holy Spirit. But, but, but these things, they, they don't come at random. They don't just, you don't just go to a vending machine and say repentance, baptism, and Holy Spirit. No, no, no. They, they, they come when we are cut to the heart. They come whenever we are confronted with our Sin, with our shortcoming, with our failure, with our offense towards God, this comes by a confrontation. Peter was telling them that they were the ones who put Jesus to death. He wasn't beating around the bush about that. He was telling them that they were the ones that had crucified and killed Jesus. And Luke, the writer of this account, tells us that when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were pierced. Their conscience was wounded, their their hearts were convicted, and and, and this cut, this piercing, this this wound motivated a response that made them ask, what are we going to do? They were called to repent, as we are called to repent today. The question today is upon being confronted with our own sin, reading these prayers, listening and singing these songs, meditating and saying, I messed up. I have offended God's holiness. We have been cut to the heart. We have received conviction by the Holy Spirit. What am I going to do? Repent. Because the truth is maybe, 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 maybe you are here because you say this is what we do every Sunday. Maybe you are here because you want, to go, you want to go to table 57 and have a good meal and have a good talk with people. And I haven't seen you since last week because I missed my parish gathering this week. And I just wanted to see you. Maybe this is just routine for you because this is what good people do. And Peter says, repent. Peter says, you have crucified Christ by not believing that he's Lord of your life. This whole week, this past month, this whole season that you've been in, you have put your trust, you have put your confidence, you have put your belief in other things rather than on Christ. Repent. How I pray. How I pray that we can all be cut to the heart this morning. I pray that we would be motivated to ask, what are we going to do? How, what am I going to do today? Conviction. Conviction leads, leads us to repentance. And that, that's, that's a mark. That's a mark of a revived church. Once, once we have lost repentance, individual, corporate repentance, we are lost. We don't have Spiritual swagger. No, 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 we are vulnerable people. We're not boasting about what we do. No, 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 our only boast is Christ and Christ alone. We have conviction. We have repentance. And this is the problem. We're not cut to the heart. This is the problem. This is why we cannot live a whole and full and and Holy Spirit-filled life. It's, It's because we're not cut to the heart. Look at verse 37. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. I've said cut to the heart so many times now. As then, it is now. We're not cut to the heart. We we, we don't have a wounded conscience. Because we say, this doesn't empower me. Like, seriously, when I look at myself in the mirror every morning, this doesn't empower me. This about... Me reflecting and admitting and recognizing my sin does not get me to a good start of the day. And that's the society that we live in. It is about self-fulfillment. It is about self-realization. It's about what do we have in our spreadsheets? What do we have in our, when I look at my front yard, what do I see? And our hearts, our hearts are not pricked. Our conscience is not wounded. And because we're not convicted by the Holy Spirit, we don't repent. We don't identify with Jesus in baptism. We're not filled with the Holy Spirit. The first of Martin Luther's thesis in the Reformation was the very first one, y'all, was this one. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he intended that the entire, someone say with me, entire, That the entire life of the believers should be repentance. Repentance is done by those in a vulnerable position. And, and, And maybe today you are set up. You are good. Everything is matching. Everything is nice at work, at home. Your friends are good. Your health is good. The five-year plan that you've been working on is working out. But let's not forget to live a life of repentance. When we are baptized, we are marked by the identity of a suffering servant. When we are baptized, we are marked by the identity of Jesus. And and baptism is a sign and a seal of God's promises to the covenant people. In baptism, God promises that by grace alone, not, not our own work, but by grace alone, He will forgive our sins. He will adopt us into the body of Christ. He will send the Holy Spirit to renew us and cleanse us. He will resurrect us to eternal life. This is the promise that is made visible in water baptism. Through baptism, Christ, He calls us to to a new obedience, right? And let me remind you that that He calls us to a new obedience. And what is that? To to love and trust God completely. To forsake the evil. To live a new and holy life. Life, a life of repentance, y'all, is modeled by the lives of the baptized. A life of repentance is modeled, should be modeled by the lives of those who are baptized. So repent, be baptized," says Peter, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What, what does that mean? Receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is to experience God in the every day. He has come to dwell in. He has come to live within. He has come to what He has desired forever, to be with His people. And this is different from some specific spiritual gifts found in First, second, uh, first Corinthians 12-14, through 14, but, but this is God in us, guiding us, leading us, giving us joy through our sufferings. But we don't experience repentance, y'all. We don't experience God's Spirit because we are not convicted. We are a people, y'all. Seriously, we are a people that, I'll just sleep it off. I'll just binge on Netflix. Like House of Cards just came on. Let's do that, right? Because we're not cut to the heart. So, 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 here is a reminder of what God and Jesus did. If if we go a little bit before this, uh, these this passage that we just read, look at verse twenty-three, and it says this: Jesus. This is where we get hope, y'all. And I love it whenever the text starts with this Jesus. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. <clears throat> Verse 24 says, God raised him up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Losing uh, the pangs of death. Because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So, so this is the reminder. This is the reminder because I know you say, man, Tony, yeah, we're not cut to the heart. We are not wounded. Our conscience is just great. So this is where you're going to leave us? No, no, no. This is what I am here to remind you of. Verse 23 and verse 24, Jesus was crucified and was raised from the dead. Bible scholar F.F. Bruce, he writes that the early apostolic preaching regularly is comprised by four elements. Number one, the announcement that the age of fulfillment is here, right? One. Two, that that the account of the ministry, death, and triumph was fulfilled in Jesus. This is it right here, right? Verse uh, 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 three is the citation of Old Testament scriptures. They would always take you back to the Old Testament in their Preaching, like if you read the accounts where people are preaching in Acts, this is what you're going to find. The last one is a call to repentance. And in verse 23 and 24, we see see the account of Jesus' death and triumph. We see Jesus being crucified and being raised on the third day. This Jesus, he gave up his life. He laid it down. In so doing, he was providing an escape to his killers. He was providing a way out for them. And Peter Peter was telling them this so that they would believe in Jesus. This Jesus lived a life, you all know this, that you and I, we can't live. We fall short of it. He lived a perfect life sinless life. We, we messed up this morning, okay? Getting ready, we were like, we messed up. Driving here, we probably cut somebody off and, you know, gave them a wave. I don't know. We, we have messed up already. We have sinned already. But Jesus never sinned. And this is where we put our hope this morning. The writer to the Hebrews in the 4th chapter and the 15th verse, he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but, 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 but we have a high priest that in every respect has been tempted, as we are, yet without sin. Yeah, I want that. I desire this Jesus, he knows us. He knows our every need. He knows our every temptation. He knows our every weakness. And he says, I'm with you. I'm with you. In verse 25, Peter preaches that Jesus loosed the pangs of death. In his dying and in his resurrection, Jesus conquered death and and if today you if today you are suffering in your physical body if today you are suffering because you have been through sicknesses for the past few months or the past few years or maybe a lifelong thing that just you just can't shake off and you just don't know why it's happened to you You and I can be encouraged that because of Jesus Christ's work, He he loosed the pangs of death. And that your body and our bodies may fail and one day give out and stop working, but we will be renewed through it, through this life. Being renewed through it. And at the end of it, we will be renewed by it. This Jesus. This Jesus was crucified and was raised on the third day to to not only only give us a new physical body, but to forgive our sins. And today you can be cut to the heart when you see our insufficiencies and when we put our sights in the sufficient, all-sufficient Christ. Christ. Today, you can be convicted of your sins, of your offenses against the Holy God. When when we confess that we have not recognized His words, we have not recognized His works. And Luke, the writer, the writer of this passage, he he tells us in verse 39 that around 3,000 people, 3,000 people, like seriously, that's a church planter's prayer, 3,000 people. He says that 3,000 people received the message and they were added to the group that believed Jesus as Savior. Luke goes on to describe the life that they lived. and, And from here, it's where we draw implications of how we should live in light of Pentecost Sunday. Look at verse 42. Because they were cut to the heart because they repented they were baptized because the promise of the holy spirit was there with them what did they do in verse 42 and the bible says that they were what they they devoted themselves someone say devoted they were devoted they devoted themselves to what the apostles teaching that's number 1 and the fellowship right to to the breaking of bread and the prayers and and, and here we see we see that the early christians learned Loved, and participated in liturgy. You can thank Tim Keller for those three L's: Uh, learned, loved, and liturgy. First, first they they studied. This is what this is what they did. They studied the apostles' teaching. This was the New Testament that they were they were listening to it. They they studied it. They devoted themselves to it. They reflected on it. They digested it. These were people marked by the words of God. They learned the Scriptures. This is why it's important for us to to own a a Bible, to have a Bible app like Susan, to know how to to read, to know how to to look at the text and and learn the Scriptures, to, to mark it, to highlight it, to ask questions about it. They learned. Secondly, they loved one another. It says that they devoted themselves to fellowship. What, what, what does it mean to be devoted to fellowship? That's a strong word, devoted, right? De- devoted to fellowship? That means that though they, though they had this new life that was working out for them, they still had to work it in. <laughs> devoted to Fellowship. In other words, you have fellowship with me, but at the same time, you and I don't have the same tastes in music or in food, right? And we have to be devoted to one another. You and I don't look the same. You and I don't have the same background. You and I don't have the same culture, but we are devoted to fellowship. We are, we're called to work this thing out devoted to we have to work on we have to work at that common commonality that we have that common ground that we have that Jesus is lord we have to learn how to live together and that's going to be really hard at times when when conflict arises in your parish you are devoted to fellowship when conflict happens in your parish you don't run away you don't you don't lay back you don't you don't Beat around the bush. No, no, no. You lean in. And you say, hey, let's work this out. Devoted to fellowship. So we learn the scriptures. We love one another. And lastly, there is liturgy. No, no, notice it says that they were devoted to what? To the breaking of bread and to prayer. What, what they were doing was they were worshiping as they ate meals and as they came to the Lord's table. They were doing corporate worship together through eating and through praying. They, 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 they broke bread to remember the Lord's death, His resurrection, in the context of prayer. And, and someone asked me a while back, why, why do we always have to eat with our parishes? Right? Like, man. You don't like to eat? (laughs) But before I gave them a pastoral answer, I wanted to tell them, because we want to worship God. Maybe that was the pastoral answer, but um, maybe my tone was not right. (laughs) We are devoted. We are devoted to meeting one another, to eat together. Whether it be with our parish or whether it be here in our Sunday gatherings, when we come to the table and we partake of His body. And his blood. Because Jesus died and was raised from the dead, y'all. We have a reason to learn the scriptures. We have a reason to lean in and love one another. We have a reason to participate in the, in the work of the people. That's called the liturgy. And Luke says in verse 43, if, if you have it, it says, And what? All. A W E. All came upon every soul, and many wonders and many signs were being done through the apostles, and and all who believed were what? Together. This is not an isolation, individualistic Christianity. No, no, no. They, all who believed, were together and had all things in common. Verse 45, they were selling their possessions. They were selling their belongings. They were distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, now let me stop there because some will say, then give away your car. I'll say, hold on, man. Hold on. The people of this time, these Christians, they owned stuff, right? They, they, They owned stuff. What they did with the stuff that they owned, though, is what makes the difference here. It's not that they were living poor. It's not that they were out there without anything. No, no, no. It's that the possessions that they had, like we spoke about in a, few week, a few weeks ago, is that they were used for God's glory and for the good of the people. So we, if we own a car, if we own a house, how am I using that for God's glory and for the good of the people? If we have a great job, if we have great incomes, if we, have, uh, if, 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 if we know how to give counsel, if we have a higher emotional quotient than others, what are we doing with that that are, is helping the community of God? Verse 45, verse 45, verse 46 says, and day by day. They attended the temple together and they broke bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. And verse 47 says that they praised God and had favor. Someone say favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is a picture of the revived church. May we experience a sort of a version of this if the Lord grants it. And if you can tell, every topic that we've covered in the last few weeks come around in this picture of this church. The first believers in Jesus, they prayed. Prayer is the foundation. The first believers in Jesus, they confessed their sins and repented the way that David did. In Psalm 51, the first believers in Jesus, they reoriented what was family life, day by day. They reoriented their earthly relationships. They reoriented their possessions. They shared everything. And they suffered. You just read a few chapters after this, they they suffered. A revived church y'all is a church that is in a posture of prayer and confession. A, a revived church is one that orients her love for our own life, for our relationships and our possessions this, this is what a revived church looks like. A revived church is a church that 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 learns together that loves one another that is participating in liturgy and as i close right they do two things and this is my hope for us this is our hope for all the churches in houston number 1 we're called to praise god so so, so this month right this month let's go into our neighborhoods and let all come to every person who meets us. Let, let, let them say he, he, let them say she has, has been marked by something else. They have been marked by Jesus. A- a- anywhere, anywhere you go with your parish this month, whether it's to break bread, whether it's to have a picnic at the park, whether it's to pray, whether it's to live, live this life together, may we praise God in all these things. And the second thing is favor. And, and, and it's not that you're looking to have favor. It's just that it, it happens. When you're praising God, when you are sharing things, when you are living a life together, when you have been living a life marked by repentance, marked by conviction when you have identified yourself with Jesus, when you're letting the Holy Spirit guide you and lead you, this is the outcome of living like this. Favor, right? The people of God had favor with all people, and oh, how we need favor today. The praying, repentant, suffering, reorienting people of God had favor with everyone I- imagine that imagine if christians were known for the good that we do imagine imagine if we walked into a bar or a coffee shop or a store or a park or a job our own jobs and we we claim ourselves to be christ followers imagine them saying yes i'm so glad you're here Imagine them saying that. But this this favor happens only when we are cut to the heart, when we repent, when we identify ourselves with Jesus, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we are learning, when we are loving, when we are participating in liturgy. This, This favor happens whenever we are praising God in everything that we do may may we may we live that kind of life may we live a life of a revived church let's pray Father we have uh, we have um, recognized your love towards us through your son Jesus we have recognized it through the power of the holy spirit and today we respond today we respond in worship to your word May your word seep in to our hearts. Fill us with your word. Because your word is truth. I pray, Lord, for every person in this room, wherever they are in their journey, whether it's starting to ask, what shall we do now? Or, or, or whether it is, how do I share? Or how do I resolve? Conflicts. Or, or, or whether it is that they're living already in this abundant life and have favor, wherever we are in that journey. We recognize your grace for us. We recognize your love for us. And today we are called to repent and to live into that life today as we take these elements of bread and wine may you be exalted may we be nourished and may your holy spirit guide us and lead us in jesus name amen